Name that theologian, church signs and bumper stickers, and a long discussion about Facebook and YouTube. You could probably skip that part. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys would put some mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. A podcast that matches the excitement of watching the Denver Broncos in the playoffs. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> hey, that's just like what the Table Talk Radio points are. <laughs> oh, sorry, did I steal your points joke? Sorry about that. No, you just made me think of it. <laughs> I, now, here's the, here's the thing to wonder about. If I'll remember that by the end of the show. That's uh, okay. Are you My vi- bet is that I'm going to actually forget. Good thing I have a pencil here. Are you uh, vying for the head coach position? I mean, that, that would be a nice side gig for a pastor. You know, pastor by day, NFL head coach by night. <laughs> Apparently, anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, I was trying. I was. I think I was going to try to be a chaplain of the uh, Rockies. That was oh, my yeah, yeah, side yeah. gig. That's that's a commitment, though. I mean, if you're if you're on a baseball team, you're paying you're playing what like 150 games a year. I mean, the nice that's thing a ab- lot. the nice thing about the NFL is you got what is it 16 games, and that's like then you're off for the rest of the year. So I, I yeah yeah that's right. I, but I just remember playing football. You know, after every game, you're sitting there in the tub of ice. Oh, definitely. But if you're a chaplain, Ugh. I mean, it's not like you need to go ice your mouth after after a sermon. I mean, if you're going to be a chaplain, you might as well go for the sport that has the fewest number of games per season. You don't you don't put your face in an ice bath after each like, service. Oh, I am exhausted. Oh, my tongue's swollen. <laughs> Being the golden mouth preacher at all. <laughs> okay, okay, well, we're going to be doing some uh, name that theologian Old today. Old school. Oh, this is fun. I can't wait for this. Uh, that that worries me. I mean, I can wait. Physically, I'm able, but I'm excited about this theologian to read to you. <laughs> that means I probably won't get it. Mm. Uh, there's a chance you would. Oh, okay. There's a there's a uh, uh, okay. Let's we got a bunch of games here going. With, uh, am I going to remember the points joke? And are you going to be able to? I think you can get this one. I don't want to. I mean, I think it's thirty percent. You can get it. Well, I'm excited. That's that's for sure. Okay. Um, well, uh, you better go first with the buzzword because I don't have one yet. My buzzword for you is epiphany. What are the odds that this show is going to be in the epiphany season? Epiphany is January 6th. It's a festival in the church here. It's the Eastern Orthodox Christmas. It's when the wise men come to visit Jesus. It shows it's about Jesus being manifest to the Gentiles, but it's, it's, there's all these themes of, you know, in Advent, you always are hearing how Jesus is coming, 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 coming. Now in, in 
in Epiphany, it's all you hear all these light texts, and it has to do with Christian enlightenment. I did the you you probably watched the Sunday Drive Home as soon as it was produced yesterday, Evan. Well, uh, I usually it? catch the live feed of it. <laughs> I was talking about Christian enlightenment because we don't use now. Okay, so here's something for for me to bounce off of you. We don't when you hear the word enlightenment, what do you think of? Um, well, I I don't know. I mean, because I have to talk about these things just as you do. Um, probably, I'm probably not the best uh, person. I mean, you think theologically or you think about like in a common culture? In the common culture. Yeah, I think it's like, oh, I had a great idea. What an epiphany. Bing. Epiphany. You, I, I think of, most people think of enlightenment like the Buddha, you know, oh, or the, yeah, some yeah, swarmy yeah. sitting on top of the mountain. But there's a Christian enlightenment. All the time, Paul says that I pray that your uh, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. We have in the catechism the Holy Spirit uh, calls us by the gospel, enlightens us with his gifts, so that we, we can talk about the Christians being the enlightened ones, which we sh- I think we should. You could say, are you enlightened, which means, are you a Christian? Do you know that Jesus is God in the flesh? That's what enlightenment is. But Christian enlightenment is different than the pagan idea of enlightenment because that that is like all of a sudden the mysteries of the universe dawn inside of me. That's the That's the pagan idea of enlightenment. But for us, the light comes from the outside. God's word enlightens the heart it enlightens the mind it it tells us what's going on so it's like we're looking at the world and it's dark and then when we hear the scriptures it's like the lights come on and i say oh i recognize what that is and what that is with that's a human being created in god's image fallen redeemed by jesus that that or like the wise men who come to see jesus that the light comes on like, that baby that's the son of god we're going to worship him because he's god in the flesh this so the 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 scriptures turn on the lights so that we can see really what we're dealing with in the world. So, it, it, that, and that's the a theme running through the season of Epiphany. So that's their buzzword, Epiphany. All right. Well, you know, at the last second, I decided that I would uh, get get uh, my definition for my buzzword from a different source, or maybe I'll just define it off the cuff like you always do. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's the word penance. Now, this is very interesting because. Um, uh, as as so, uh, penance in the Roman Catholic system is a uh, an act of contrition you do to to show your remorse. So, you know, Luther came along, and Luther, I mean, this was a radical idea as he as he wrote the Catechism. He comes along and talks about how repentance has two parts, and everybody would have read that and go, "Whoa, Luther, you forgot." an important step. But Luther was very intentional about having two parts of repentance. First, that you'd have sorrow over sins, and second, that you'd have faith. That is, a belief that uh, by the word of absolution, your sins really are forgiven. Um, those are the two parts. Now, in, in the Roman system, he, he forgot a part, and that is um, that is uh, satisfaction. So that, that by doing penance, you're showing your, your remorse over sin. Now, this is the interesting thing, that the Latin uh, Vulgate, when it came to this Greek word metanoia, which uh, as, is commonly translated as uh, repentance, um, the, the Latin Vulgate inserted the word uh, penance or do penance. So this completely removed the notion of repentance from the minds of the medieval church. I mean, it's just just amazing. Now, this is this is fascinating. In Bible class, we're going through the gospel according to St. Matthew, and we've uh, got to like chapter 26, 27 in there, and we were contrasting the uh, the contrition of Judas with the contrition of Peter. And we were saying, we we're remarking how Judas has a penance 
uh, view of repentance uh, or of, of sorrow. I mean, so it's not that Judas lacked sorrow, right? I mean, he, he had remorse for what he had done. And what he tried to do was to make uh, make a, um, a satisfaction. He brings the money back, and and he and the priests give him no forgiveness. I mean, it was it was like a Roman Catholic confessional where Judas goes, <laughs> and then and then uh, we were talking about how Peter uh, also sins in denying Jesus three times, uh, but his remorse is found in the uh, hope of forgiveness and the hope of the gospel. Um, and you know we have um, in in our congregation a pastor emeritus, Pastor McCoy. You know he I I think of Pastor McCoy as a bit like the Holy Spirit because he does all this legwork, all this background work, and then somehow I get all the credit for everything he's working on. Uh, it's really quite amazing. But uh, he he was looking at um, the Roman Catholic Catechism and he was looking for the word repentance and he couldn't find it. It was all penance. So so that which um, set the tone in the Latin Vulgate, completely removed the, even the theology, the notion of repentance from the Roman Catholic uh, theological system. Fascinating. Fascinating. Tell Pastor Coy thank you. McCoy, tell Pastor McCoy that I'm grateful. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll let him know. But I feel that way about you, by the way. <laughs> you do all the work and I get all the credit. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now I know that <laughs> this it's Pastor McCoy just, that doesn't. This just dawned on me. <laughs> does, does Pastor McCoy produce our table talk? Yeah. No? Pretty, oh. pretty much. I mean, he does so much work at the church. It's just amazing. <sighs> okay. I mean, I get the paycheck. He does all the work. It's basically how it goes. Yeah, nice. I don't know if that's fair. Anyway. <laughs> Good. All right. So what are we doing today? We're going to talk about, we're going to play, uh, what is it called? What do we call this thing again? Uh, name bumper? Th- that the oh do, which one do you want to first? You want to do um, church sign bumper sticker? Bumper or, sign is that what we're gonna call it? Uh, yeah, bumper, bump, bumper sign. Bumper sign, <laughs> or name that theologian. Either way, let's do name that theologian. I want to read. I want to read this. All right, you have too. a minute and a half to get started here. Okay, so I have a book by this theologian, this particular theologian, which has four hundred pages. You pick your page. Oh goodness, uh, two fifty. Okay. I'll start uh, with the first full paragraph on page 250. Suddenly, with a high voice, cried the accuser, the fed sow, thou heretic, renegade, traitor, and thief. It was not lawful for thee to preach. Thou hast taken the power at thine own hand without the authority of the church. Then all the congregation of the prelates, with their compliances, said, If we give him license to preach, he is so crafty and in the Holy Scripture so exercised that he will persuade the people to his opinion and raise them against us. Huh. So, let's see, what do I have to go on so far? I'm looking for books that have about 400 pages. Um, That's about all I'm going off of right now. (laughs) Um, Okay, well... um, Let's take. Let's tell you what. Let's take the break. I'll I'll think about the first quote a bit, which won't really help me. And then we'll do that two more times. And then I'll flounder around for a while. And then I'll make make a useless guess. And uh, I think that's how the next statement's going to be going. So that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're going to be uh, finishing up some uh, name that theologian and then your church signs and your bump stickers, which you have called in. Church to, sticker. To 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. You can also email those in. We probably won't play the audio if you email them in, but uh, you can try. <laughs> I'll read it with a... 
<laughs> Compelling yeah. Australian accent. Yeah. As you've never heard before. <laughs> All right, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Oh, man. Best show ever. Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. Okay, we're back, and we are playing a name that theologian. So far, Pastor Wolfmuller has given me the first quote from his theologian. And, you know, I've learned so far from the reading of your first quote. What? I really need to start listening to whatever the heck it is that you're reading. Oh, yeah, pay attention. So, okay, so, all right, I'm going to... Uh, I can't even claim to be checking the Facebook. Did you see that thing that was out that they were asking people how much it would take, dollar-wise, for them to to log off of Facebook for a year. Wow. And, and uh, people were saying I would need at least – what would be the answer to, your, to that question for you? Like if, if someone said, I'm willing to pay you money to not log on to Facebook for a year, what would that dollar amount need to be? Uh, well, I'm th- uh, I hate to admit this to you. I mean, I'm thinking about shutting the whole thing down. <gasps> Gasp. I don't know. What, are you? So, but I mean, I, you're, I, you're always needed to be on the cutting edge, and since that's the trend, it's like, oh, 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 that, oh, that, oh. sheesh, I'm insulted. <laughs> now, uh, I don't know, twenty bucks, Sounds twenty good. bucks. Most people said at least a thousand dollars. So if I came to most people on Facebook and said, "I'll give you nine hundred and fifty dollars to not use Facebook for three hundred sixty-five days," they'd say, "No way, Jose." Wow, isn't that amazing? That boggles my mind. It is. I mean, it, so it's just as far as like Facebook and, and a value proposition. It is. A, there is a give and a take, but the problem is the give is obvious, the take is not. Yeah. So, it's just so they got a nice setup, but the take is becoming more and more obvious. I mean, you know, people are doing this thing where they just they just go off of Facebook for like two weeks and they're like, the world is a better place. And <laughs> and it seems here's one of the the things that. So here's the trick. This is a tricky. A thing to think through because one of the things that Facebook promises is that it, it promises a um, prosperity and peace and no, it, like a uh, a democratized view of the world. So yeah. we know that there's big media, like that that the that the big CBS and ABC and all the and HBO and all the media producers are producing a certain picture of our culture yeah. that is not accurate. They're they're filtering all these things, and so it's hard to tell if there's any Christians out in the world because if you just watch the media, you figure there's no Christians. This has to do with my theory I was articulating last week that there's a lot more Christians than we would think if when we just go out and actually meet people. Most of them are Christians, but if you just if you watch the news, you figure like you're the only one. So the more you're in consuming the the shapers of culture. Now, what YouTube and Facebook and Twitter uh, promise to do is to give a more democratized view of the culture. But it just turns out that they also are manipulating these things behind the scenes, and so it's even worse because you're you're getting a. a, a you're getting a false view of the world 
under the guise of it's like reality. It's in some ways it's yeah. like the the reality TV sort of thing. It's not right. really reality TV, but it likes it acts like it. So Facebook, it pretends to be reality media, but it's not everything. Well, I mean, so so what I see, and I don't know if this is the same thing that you're you're saying, but I mean, let's say, I mean, so it used to be before social media, if I had a problem with some corporation, let's say, you know, um, I uh, walk into Walmart and I am um, offended by something that happened with the business, I would register that complaint with the HR department and they would put it in file 13 never to be looked at again. But now with social media, what I can do is you know take a video of my experience where the the Walmart associate was not as pleasant as I think they should be to me, and I post it on Facebook, and then it gets some traction, and 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 everyone's saying, yeah, look how terrible Facebook, it, uh, sorry, look how terrible uh, Walmart is, and now Walmart has to take some action because it, it's it's picking up some steam, and so it has this um, effect that corporations actually have to pay attention to me but here's the problem as the as the media outlets will will be drawn to these kinds of stories oh man is offended by walmart associate there's the headline right there um they're not really getting a test sample of the entire society of what people think of walmart they're getting a test sample of a bunch of people who live in their mom's basements uh, making comments on Facebook, <laughs> so so there's right. there's well, this perception of outrage when it's not a really a test sample of society. It does incentivize outrage. It's something you and I have talked about. Just doing talk radio podcasts, we it? are experts in it's, the outrageous. It, I think. Yeah, we. It's it. You. What makes what catches people's attention is the. You can you you can grab a hold of the people with the rage. You know what I mean. So and I mean, in some ways, the the sort of the medium of talk radio is, is sort of pushes things over the and that happens also on on Facebook. So we have to be very careful careful for that. Well, I think I think in in, uh, so, a, in so, a general sense, be it be it social media, be it podcasts, be it uh, YouTube production. I think what what this has done is it's brought the ability to broadcast content for better or worse. Uh, to the individual, whereas in times past, the ability to broadcast information or content was uh, to the corporations, to the to the large businesses, um, and the, and the the advantage of the latter was that there were production <laughs> there were production standards, quality standards, but there was there was also uh, some some journalism training, um, but with going to you know in the individual who can put out content. That's good in the sense that you know nothing's filtered. Uh, it's not um, through a particular media bias, whether that be left or right. But then it also doesn't give the same attention to uh, be careful what you broadcast. I mean, there there is at least a standard in in journalism to say I, we we need to fact check this to some extent. We need to verify the story to be true right, right. before we before we just uh, 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 hurt someone's reputation. Right, so there's a temptation there, and then I think the other thing is just to realize that it, it's while it's true that say for example everyone can post something up on YouTube, what somebody sees, or anybody can say something on Facebook, but what's what comes across your feed, is highly selective, 
And I, I've, I've been looking at this on the YouTube because right. it's there's this algorithm that's there that's t- that most people are watching what YouTube suggests, and YouTube has a complex thing that's always adjusting on what it suggests. But w- what is that going to be? It's not just going to be a random video. They're going to go right. and, and look at all these different factors, and there's and so there's there's bias put into those things. Sure. So that um, so so that there's a bias put into your Facebook feed. There's a bias put into the YouTube thing. There's a bias that starts with the person who posts it, and then that that also is on the platform as well. So you're you're not getting a true picture of what's on there. So I, I'm on a couple of um, little groups of like uh, Christian YouTube creators, and I'm going on there and looking at their videos. They're doing some great stuff, but their videos will have 30 views, uh, 17 views. Uh, they have 50 uh, followers. None of those. Uh, are going to get any play on any sort of algorithm because they just don't have enough activity going on there. Mm-hmm. And that's what most stuff is like on YouTube. So the stuff that you see is the stuff that has a million-plus views because it's been tested and YouTube says that'll be successful. So you're not, so you're getting – it's all it's, – it's skewed. It's just a, everything that you're getting is a skewed view of what's real. And, and right. yet we start to sort of absorb it as the true picture of the world, and that's – that's dangerous, and that's what Facebook is taking from us. And and so I don't how, know. How do we, I, I mean, I'm wrestled with this stuff too because it's how do we should we be engaged at all? I I think to myself, well, I'm putting out the YouTube stuff, and it's help. I got an e- how about this? I got an email from someone from Australia who wants to help me post up my YouTube videos on the Chinese version of YouTube, interesting, so that we can reach the English speaking Christians in China. It's an amazing sort of thing. And, and yet, I think though, how much am I helping? Because if people say, "Well, I'll go on YouTube," because Pastor Wolfmuller put up something helpful, and then you end up spending two hours watching, like, I don't know, guys, guys from Australia drop bowling balls off a dam in Switzerland onto a trampoline, which I did yesterday. Which was kind of cool. <laughs> but ridiculous, ridiculous waste. So how do you? Am I part? Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated question. Well, this is the same phenomenon. How are we gassing off about this for a whole segment without really getting to our game? But it's a, it's the same problem I think that we have with the uh, the news, the cable news um, outlets. That I mean, it's a, I, I, in fact, I remember it was um, Mitt Romney of all people who made this point during during I think the election. He said it used to be that when families would consume the news, they would go home and watch like one of two different outlets to get the news so that at least the data was the same but now we get our news from our favorite commentators we get it from you know fox news or cnn or whoever the talking head is that we like that's where we get our news ben shapiro yeah ben shapiro or whoever uh and so because that's our news source we're not getting just the news and then forming opinions about it we're getting our news from the opinion and so now both sides aren't even getting the same data we're getting a a, a twist and that's the same thing with with the youtube right so that i'm not getting just the data that's out there the content that's out there i'm getting the content presented to me based upon what youtube thinks i would like i mean i i think i accidentally clicked on like two dave ramsey videos and now i'm getting nothing but dave ramsey suggestions i don't really want that much dave ramsey content on my page but it's coming to me because i clicked on it once or twice yeah I know. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's this is a very. I mean, it's now. Here's the solution, at least. Number one, we have to read old books, and number two, th- th- these are both hard, but th- that one's the easiest of the two hard things. 
we have to learn how to meet strangers. Hmm. We have to we have to figure out how to meet new people. That's just a thing that we must do. We've we've totally lo- but the idea of meeting a stranger and befriending someone or having a conversation with something we don't someone we don't know that has been almost completely lost. But that's the part of the richness of human society. I, I just thought of a new game, which I'm not sure I'm willing to play. But uh, so the the game is, what's on your YouTube feed suggestions? <laughs> You just pull Let's up, try it. You just I'm pull up YouTube, it. and you have to tell what videos are coming up for you. <laughs> this, this is it's like, like these, it, looking into your soul. Like, <laughs> all right, all right do it. we'll do it when we come back. All right. We need to take, uh, wait, are we going to finish what we're doing? We'll be right back. You're listening to Table yeah, Talk of Radio. <laughs> reading old books. Immature audiences only. This is Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. So mediocre we distract ourselves. That's right, that's us here on Table Talk Radio. We were playing Name That Theologian, and then we started going, talking yeah. about Facebook for a whole segment, and uh, now we're back. Uh, all right, so what are we doing here? Are we, are we... So we're, do- we're doing it. This is What's in Your Pastor's YouTube feed. It's pretty good for me today because... <laughs> all right. Because of you could tell what I was watching yesterday okay. when I got home. Here's my recommended feed. First, I got like three videos recommended from these guys called these three Australian guys called How Ridiculous. Have you seen any of the, there's the guys that drop like bowling balls into trampolines oh, off okay. of dams. So here's the first one, catching golf balls off a 165 meter dam. These guys are great because they said they, uh, they it just helps me to refresh my Australian accent. If you're not a subscriber here, get around it, mate. Get around it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh so I got a couple of those. Then I got um I got here uh Red Bull channel baseball star Chris Bryant gets pranked by Hall of Famer ex- pitcher etc. I got a couple TED talks unfortunately. That's the embarrassing stuff. Super Mario effect tricking your brain into something. I've got this one Choice 42. Have you seen this lady? She's pretty funny. She does these um uh these uh pro-life videos. She must have got a new one. Um, here's one. What happens when a Nerf dart breaks the speed of light? Hmm. I got a Peter McKinnon photographer emergency pouch. I watch this Peter McKinnon guy. He does photography, YouTube sort of stuff. And then, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, or I got, or how about this orange theory one year before and after picture? <laughs> I got a Mark Rober paint super soaker battle. Uh, and then I got Jim Gaffigan, Mr. Universe McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a Steven Crowder one. Women's March crashed by Crowder and drag. Uh, that's got to be funny. Odd. Anyway. Okay. Well, here's here's mine. I, so, so, I normally have a bunch of Casey Neistat videos, but I, I it, they must have really, I don't not on there because I, I watch a bunch of his videos. Huh. All right. Here's mine real quick. It's uh, I got some political stuff um, that's uh, from the Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro, Trump's greatest meme tweet ever. Um, I see that that's why this works because I were, I kind of want to know what that is, but I have to click on it to find out what it is. So, uh, then I have, um, a video from, 
I don't know who put this out, but it's just titled "What Evidence Is There That Je- uh, What Evidence Is There for Jesus Outside the Bible?" Uh, I don't know why this is on there, but I mean it's a really old video. It's the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod responds to the ELCA. <laughs> um, uh, the five react. This is from Fox News. React to new reps' vulgar call for impeachment. I'm sure you heard about that. Um, there's a an Ed Sheeran cover. I'm not sure <laughs> what that is. Uh, a news, a local news story. It says residents devastated after a drunken donut. Sorry, I said drunken. Sorry, <laughs> residents devastated after Dunkin' Donuts closed by fire. <laughs> uh, the the Eagles versus Bears uh, finale from last night. Did you see that game? Uh uh-uh. oh man, it was. It came down to uh, you know there the the uh, see who who was it the the Eagles was I think it was the Eagles were down. Boy, who won? I forgot. Anyway, uh. Was it the Bears? Let's say it's the Bears. The Bears were down by one and needed a field goal to win it. Yeah, it was the Bears. And uh, kicked the field goal, but, oh, wait, they called timeout, you know, so that field goal doesn't count. And then the real field goal came, and he hit the upright and lost the game. That was an exciting game. Oh, no. And then finally, a CNN reporter presses Trump, you promised Mexico would pay for the wall. Well, there you go. All excited. I wonder stuff. how much mine is affected by the fact that all my kids are on the same account. Ooh, yeah, so, like, that would skew the yeah for sure. Anyway, anyway, all right. So that was uh, a great. I want to watch this one. How to skin a watermelon? But speaking of oh, speaking of reading old books, let's go back to this name that theologian. <laughs> Pick another page. I'm ready for you. All right, I'm going to do page five. Hmm. Okay. Oh, this will be We're mixing games here. And so, it used to be page for points, and now we're doing that for Name That Theologian. But I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Page five. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, so the prodigious a monster of nature was he, more like a beast, yea, rather a devil than a man, that he seemed to be born to the destruction of men. Such was his wretched cruelty that when he caused to be put to death his mother, his brother-in-law, his sister, his wife, his instructors, Seneca and Lucian, Moreover, he commanded Rome to be set on fire in twelve places, and so continued it six days and seven nights in burning, while that he, to see the example how Troy burned, sang the verses of Homer, and to avoid the infamy thereof, he laid the fault upon the Christian men and caused them to be persecuted, and so continued this miserable emperor, till at last the Senate, proclaiming him a public enemy unto mankind, condemned him to be drawn through the city and to be whipped to death, for the fear whereof he, flying the hands of his enemies in the night fled to a manner of his servants in the country where he was forced to slay himself complaining that he had then neither friend nor enemy left that would do so much for him the jews in the year three score and ten about forty years after the passion of christ were destroyed by titus and vespian his father who succeeded mm. after nero in the empire to the number of eleven hundred thousand beside those which vespian slew in subduing the country of galilee they were sold and sent into Egypt and other provinces to vile slavery to the number of 17,000. Huh. So um, the one thought that occurred to me right at the end there, now now that I'm thinking about this, I'd, I would want to go back and listen to what you just read to see if it could match up. But I'm wondering if this isn't maybe Josephus. Um, but I don't know. Uh, otherwise, I'm I'm kind of just uh, hunting in the dark. Now, I have to know, though, that this is an important question I should have asked you before. Is the, the page enumeration that we're going by here, is that the original uh, page enumeration from its printed work, or is this from, say, like a reprinted work uh, that might might present a new numbering of the pages? Reprinted. 
<laughs> oh, it's not reprinted by me. Oh, it's oh, reprinted okay. in 1981. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a that. Was... I was I was searching for a little hint there, but that, I guess that didn't help me. Yeah, okay. I didn't get there. Uh, I've thought about reprinting this. Hmm. All right, let's go to see. This could be. I don't know who this could be. Um, because I know I know you're really onto the martyrs right now. So I think that uh, is that a thing. Do you do that every week or something? The martyrs. No, I should. Oh, okay. Um. So I'm not sure you could have. Uh, let's let's have you read another one. Let's go to page uh, eighty-seven. Okay, page eighty-seven. Then had the bishops, priests, monks, and friars a somewhat uh, a world somewhat to their minds. Many were taken in diverse quarters and suffered most cruel death, and many fled out of the land into Germany, Bohemia, France, Spain, Portugal, and into the wilds of Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, working there many marvels. Sentence of death being given, the Lord. Cobham was sent away, Sir Robert Morley carrying him again under the tower, where, after he had remained a certain space in the night season, it's not known by what means, he escaped out, fled into Wales. A great sum of money was proclaimed by the king to him that could take the said Sir John Oldcastle, either quick or dead, who confederated with the Lord Powis, who was at the time a great governor in Wales, feeding him with lordly gifts and promises. About the end of four years, the Lord Powis, whether for greediness of the money or for hatred of the true sincere doctrine of Christ, seeking all manner of ways how to play the part of Judas, and outwardly pretending him great enmity and favor, at length obtained his bloody purpose. The most cowardly and wretchedly took him, and brought the Lord Cobham bound up to London, which is about the year of our Lord 1417, and about the month of December, at which there was a parliament assembled in London, it was adjudicated that he should be taken as a traitor to the king of the realm, that he should be carried to the tower, and from thence drawn through London under the new gallows in St. Giles without Temple Bar, and there to be hanged and burned hanging. So I no longer think it's Josephus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think I am on to you, though. I think um, yeah, I mentioned that you're into the, the martyrs, and you have a singular source for that topic and that is uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. So I'm going to say that you're reading from John Fox. Well, I, my, I have two sources. Oh. Wikipedia and Fox's Book of Martyrs. But you're <laughs> right. This is from Fox's Book of Martyrs. Very John good. Fox. Ba-boom. You I, got it. I can't believe I got that. Dang. I, I, see, I told you you had a chance. Yep, yep. All right, let's. What let's... a great book! I, this is so, oh man, I think that the we got to say what do the martyrs do? They in, the answer is they encourage us. They just say here here are the people that have come to this great. I keep telling these martyr stories though, like I was telling the story of Br- Brother Henry Luther talks about. He was a student of Luther's. He got murdered in up in northern Germany. He martyred up there in 1524, and Luther's writing a letter of comfort to the to his parish in Bremen, and. Uh, and I'm telling the story of how they beat him with a mace to death because they tried to cook him on the fire, but the fire wouldn't start and all this. And Carrie said, could you not tell these stories at dinner time? <laughs> You're giving the children nightmares. Uh, it's just, But it's so important to hear these. I mean, that's why Hebrews 11 and, and the scriptures put these things, these heroic deaths of the Christians so that we would meditate. It's important, I think, maybe more than ever. Well, maybe not. It's, it's important for us to think about these things. All right. Well, I I, I agree. Uh, and, and the the martyrs, um, uh, they, well, as as I 
the Augsburg Confession commends the saints to us, so I think we would view the martyrs, that this is a faith that we ought to emulate, uh, that we we would see in the martyrs such a strong faith given to them by our Lord Jesus that we would hope to to have such a faith and to and, and an honor to to uh, suffer death for our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, we we do not face that kind of persecution today, but we should recognize the honor it is um, to die such a death. So I, I, I think I, I actually like the stories that you bring out from from uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Good. Okay, when we get back, well, I have a theologian for Pastor Wolfman. Let's see how quickly he can get it, because if we have any time left over, we'll be looking at your bumper signs and your church stickers. Church stickers. Uh, Church stickers! It's not too late to call in right now to 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, Grappling with the Text on the Theo Vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. Table Talk Radio in 2019. I'm curious, Pastor Wolfmuller, do you have a New Year's resolution for the year? Uh, I always have lots of them. But my major, I, I have quarterly resolutions. So my Q1 resolutions are I got to keep trying to get up early. That's the plan. So uh-huh. up between five and six to crank out some thousand words a day. That's a, that's the goal. So so far, so good. Cool. Well, uh, I My New Year's resolution this year is to have a New Year's resolution for 2020. Oh yeah, and, and the and the reason is, well, yeah, because I I always kind of forget about New Year's resolutions till the, till the last minute. Like, so like we were, we were watching TV New Year's Eve, and the news yep. came on and talked about New Year's, and I'm like, oh dang, I forgot to think about a New Year's resolution. I don't want to just pull one out of a hat now and commit yeah, myself right. to the entire year. So right. I decided, I, I resolved that I'm going to come up with a good New Year's resolution for 2020. And that's my well, that's 2019. Good, that, that counts as a resolution. And so you could just use that one next year. <laughs> no, no, no. It's got to be a good one. <laughs> All, right. All right. So uh, I have a book. And, and this book has two co-authors. So this Ooh. increases your chances of yeah. naming the theologian. That's right. Th- this book, not counting the end notes and the bibliography, has 233 pages. Page three. Page three is blank. Well, then page Hold on. four. <laughs> All right, there's page eleven. You want page eleven? Okay. Yeah, what? I want. No, I want page eleven plus three. Oh. Page fourteen. One, two. Okay. Okay. The institution of the family is necessary for our very existence, basic to our culture, and critical to our happiness and well-being. As children, we were brought to life, nurtured, and shaped by our family. As adolescents and young adults. We were preoccupied with finding someone with whom we could start a family and uh, a family of our own. Adults uh, who have managed to do that spend much of their time working to support their families and, if they have children, laboring to raise them. No one is more important to us than our parents, our spouse, and our children. Typically, we want to spend more time with our family, which we consider to be our haven in the storms of life. 
we rapidize over family values and want to bring them back. So why is family life so confusing? Why do marriage and parenthood often seem so difficult to get right? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, institution of family. It's nice. Not many people are talking about it. Uh, I couldn't tell the theology of it yet. So I want to go for page 64. I do. I think that was a neat point, though, how this author um, talked about how we're always talking about why or uh, family values are gone, and yet we spend so much of our time dealing with our family. So I thought that was interesting. All right, 64. Part of the problem in discussing marriage or any vocation is that uh, qualities the Bible upholds as virtues our contemporary culture holds in contempt. That vocation reaches our dependence on others, contradicts our American ideals of autonomy and self-sufficiency. And the notion that we should sacrifice ourselves for anyone flies in the face of the Western ideals of self-aggrandizement, from Mm. the enlightened self-interest of our economic system to the self-fulfillment mandate of our popular ethics. Wow. So here we're contradicting the Lord's institution of marriage. So this is a marriage and family book is what I can't tell. Uh, but how the, how the, the, what, the attributes needed for a, a person to act rightly in their vocation are contradicted by our, by our American culture, the ideas of autonomy and so forth and so on. It's very interesting. Um, huh. You might, compel uh, what me, do you, you might compel me to read another paragraph if you really... Yeah, yeah, you should read another paragraph. (laughs) Okay. As for, quote, submission, as in the New Testament injunction for wives to submit to their husbands, that concept tends to be dismissed at once as unjust and oppressive. Terms like submit, though originally a neutral organizational word, uh, elicit reactions as though it means brainless slavery. But Ephesians 5 does not describe slavery, but the relationship between Christ and the church, which entails Christ liberating his people from slavery and giving them freedom, Galatians 5.1, as the pattern for the relationship between husband and wife. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I, I think I'm onto this, but i got to test that theory by pushing— How many pages is this thing? 233. So let's go towards page 180. That's going to be the thing that really opens the can, huh? I mean, this is... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The distinction between the person and the office is of critical importance in the doctrine of vocation, and it goes back to the church's rejection of the Donatist heresy, which taught that the validity of the um, sacraments depend on the good character and faithfulness of the clergyman who administered them. But you do not have to get baptized again or remarried just because the preacher who presided got caught embezzling money from the church. Similarly, a judge may have personal quirks and shortcomings, but still has the authority to sentence a lawbreaker to prison. You still have to do what your boss says at the workplace, even though the boss is not always right, simply because he or she is the boss. All of this is by virtue of the office, not the person. The same holds true for the office of parenthood. The individuals who hold that office may not deserve honor in themselves, but they deserve honor from their children for the office they hold. They may have actually been bad parents, neglectful, selfish, unloving, even abusive. We'll talk about the hard cases in the next chapter. But but they brought you 
into this world. You owe them for that, at least. If you cannot honor them, honor the office. Honor God in the office, who, despite your parents' sin, used them to bring you into existence and sustain your life. Interesting. I think now, okay, so I think um, I, what I was leaning towards was wrong, and this is why I was leaning towards this book by our friend Pastor Fisk, who wrote Echo, and it's kind of an unfolding of the catechism. And so it begins with the law and, and vocation and this sort of thing, but then it goes on to the creed and Lord's Prayer. So the fact like that it, this it, did not move on tells you yeah, it's not Fisk. It's not that. That's right. And so that so here's a book just about vocation. Now, the only, this has got to be something like, this has got, it, it sounds, it's right, and it has echoes of the catechism in there, the idea that you honor your mom and dad from the office. It's got to be someone who's influenced by the large catechism. So it's got to be a Lutheran writing about, about office and vocation. I'm going to guess that this is, I have not read this work, but I bet I bet you this is a V thing, either like his um, God at Work or his On Vocation book. Um, so that's my guess. Who is Dr. Gene Edward Veith? Well, you are lucky that the name of this game is Name That Theologian, Not Name That Work. Is this... Oh, he... Yeah, <laughs> it, it, did he he wrote it with uh well yeah what is it so what is it yeah it is Gene Edward Veith but it is family vocation God's calling in marriage parenting and childhood and yeah and he co-wrote it with his daughter Mary yeah yeah there you go yeah see Mary uh, see Mowbray. how right I was yeah I was like really right about that <laughs> I was really mostly right about it that's really <laughs> good it's it's good stuff though I mean this is uh, and this is kind of the thing you're always going back to is. You know the three estates, and he just focuses yeah. on the family, particularly yeah. as it relates to vocation. And that was a great last quote there, that um, your respect or your honor to your parents in the fourth commandment is not dependent upon their sinlessness, right? It's dependent upon their office. So it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a great stuff. All right, before we run out of time with just two minutes to spare, let's Whoa. hit some of your church stickers. Bumper sticker. One word frees us from all the weight and pain of life. Oh. Oh. That was also on a van with a local Christian radio sticker, a sticker that that radio station gave out for the 2016 election that said, register, pray, vote, Uh. and then a very faded In God We Trust sticker. Wow. So here's my thought. Is it possible to determine whether love is law or gospel without nope. a subject or direct object? Nope, nope, nope. That word love, it's a dangerous lo- It's a dangerous word because God so loved the world that, oh boy, that sets us free. But love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is going to always show our shortcomings, our sins. Mm. Yeah. So, th- so, th- so this was apparently supposed to be the word that what was it freed us from all of our uh, what did it say stresses or burdens or something like that? Yeah, I had a list of them. Everything wrong in the world's fixed by wow. the word love. So could that not be enough. true? You can't. You can't do it. You can't. No, it's not enough. The word love is it. It the word love kills or makes alive depending on. If it's God's love for us or our love well, for one another. Yeah, I see the point you're making, so that to just have the word on a bumper sticker doesn't actually deliver the goods. I mean, so yeah. there's there's a potential there, but without it actually giving us that God loves us in Christ Jesus, then we just don't get the message. 
That's right. And we hear, we, we are naturally inclined to hear these words as law. So you hear yeah. love and you think, I better love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, real quick. This is uh, Jordan in Yakima, Washington. I just passed a bumper sticker that said, born okay the first time. Wow. Have That's you... a real pagan thing to say. <laughs> With just about 10 seconds, uh, Pastor Wolfler, what do you think about it, that one? I think it's true that our doctrine of original sin, that we need to be born again, is the most offensive doctrine to the world. And that's why most people don't go for the... Why, why don't people love the gospel? They don't want the forgiveness of sins. Well, yeah, because to be forgiven, you have to be a sinner first. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, thank you for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like watching the Denver Broncos... And apparently the Chicago Bears in the playoffs. You remembered. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.